The following audio is a companion essay to an upcoming episode of Around the Arcade Cabinet. It deals with moral choice systems in video games. It was written and read by our co-executive producer, Connor Peters. First, please pardon my syntax and grammar. I would write with more academic precision and artistry, but my timing allows for one draft. Gaming is the interactive medium of entertainment. At all times, your input into the electronic device determines the outcome of your experience. For most video games, this is merely a means of success or failure, evolving later into a measure of success versus failure by using such qualities as life systems, scores, leaderboards, and times. However, the elemental input of choice further develops into narrative concepts of roleplay and, moreover, morality in gaming. It is through this pseudo-morality that immersive gameplay leaps forward as a projection of our desires for the story we experience, as well as seeing fully fleshed-out consequences for our choices. Unfortunately, not all moral choice systems are made equal, and some can be said to ruin their game's experiences. It is my opinion that moral choice systems have failed their respective games when they have made any choice feel like a punishment and or prevented the option to reevaluate choices later on in the game. To talk about the failures of moral choice, and I must preface that I do so only in the limits of video games, I cannot possibly begin to draw allegories to human morality and moral impact on society, I must first begin by discussing those successful elements which make a video game more fun, gratifying, or immersive. My first example of a benevolent choice system is that of the Fable series. In these games, Fable Heroes and Fable The Journey Excluded, you can make choices throughout the story and side quests that are benevolent, neutral, and malevolent. These will change the outcome of who lives or dies, how much you profit during a mission as well as later on, and which abilities you are proficient in, namely spells. While opportunities for these choices come naturally, there is also a mechanic through which you can choose to undo or ameliorate your moral standing. Donations, friendly gestures, and repeatable paragon quests can take even the most malicious character and undo their moral standing. Murders, sacrifices, degenerate behavior, and theft can corrupt a player between missions. No matter what choices you make, you can always put in extra effort to undo or adjust the narrative as you go around. It feels like extra work as well, which still incentivizes making the choice you believe in the first time. Fable 3 is immensely enjoyable for its commentary on maintaining seemingly benign choices by making you make promises that become difficult to fulfill later on. Is a short-term promise worth a sacrifice for the greater good? Either way, avenues are available to have your cake and eat it too, or forsake your kingly promises. Games with limited choices that are not so narratively impactful are also immensely enjoyable with no risk to long-term player experience. Games like the Elder Scrolls series present choice with minimal or optional impact. I remember in my first playthrough being a relatively noble dragonborn in Skyrim, when an unexpected side quest pulled me into Molag Bal's influence. I wanted his mace. I killed a man to get his mace. And I realized that I no longer wished to be so noble. However, 
I had the option to reject the mace, and would still be as potent and capable of defeating Alduin later on. Furthermore, joining the Dawn Guard versus the Vampires in the Dawn Guard DLC presents equally fun choices with neither choice feeling like a punishment. There are even opportunities to forsake one choice and try another. Morality as roleplay is fun. Games that offer this option are wonderful. In another vein of limited moral choice, early Assassin's Creed, Mass Effect, and Fallout games all contain an element of notoriety or reputation that opens avenues of gameplay without strictly closing others. Dialogue options, wanted status during stealth missions, dynamic crowd responses, and persuasion checks are all done with very minimal impact to the overall choices available in narrative missions. Furthermore, all choices in the above series can be adjusted through other actions or notoriety fixes later on. Choices are optional. Choices do not limit play. Choices can be re-evaluated. Lastly, the final category of superlative moral choice in gaming is when choice is the game, or it is the commentary. A solid telltale game makes the idea of making a choice the entire interactive medium. There is a narrative, you have to build it. Similarly, David Cage games such as Heavy Rain or Detroit Become Human, for better or for worse, are honestly just cinema as a choose-your-own-adventure. Your ability to choose and or perform the prompts given could theoretically tell a different story at each juncture. Multiple playthroughs of these games will provide wholly different experiences each time. Likewise, choice as a commentary is a thoughtful avenue of interactive media. The choice to interact at all means that most game players going through games such as The Stanley Parable, Superhot, or Bioshock are innately invested in either hearing out or challenging the claims made by the commentary. Oftentimes, the commentary is the driving force behind the game, and it isn't even the driving gameplay, meaning that you get two sets of game design that are amazing for the price of only one. With all of these examples of wonderful interactions that I've played through and the reasons for their moral choice systems benefiting my experience, I must now admonish the resurgence of the following moral choice systems. The following gameplay elements of so-called choice and so-called morality have been enough to cause me to quit otherwise amazing and lauded games. Had these flawed systems been removed or improved, especially those found in the sequels no less, I would have joined the general consensus and praised these games as being the masterpieces that others have celebrated them to be. Infamous and its sequels start off my list of disdain because they are the least egregious. Their flaw is a moral choice system that I call the color system, a title borrowed from Yahtzee Croshaw's reviews. Infamous allows a good choice and a bad choice at critical junctures, culminating in ending A and ending B. It doesn't matter if you waffled in the middle or had a change of heart at the last minute. Your moral standing is based on a general sum of your choices in a way that doesn't reflect the journey. This is compounded by abilities being allotted to certain playstyles. While I appreciate allotting some abilities to certain playstyles in the name of roleplay, the effect on gameplay is largely disproportionate, as evil characters in Infamous are ludicrously overqualified to take on challenges with allegedly evil abilities. Games such as Knights of the Old Republic also give difficulty-breaking abilities towards the endgame, including Life Drain for the Sith. The other side of color systems is Mass Effect 3's ending, 
a literal color-based decision that did not take into account any of your paragon or renegade choices at all to determine the fate of the entire universe. All options were available, none of them made a difference, nor did your choices leading up to the final selection. The next insult to the efforts of moral choice comes in the form of moral choice that is near non-existent. Your first experience of this may come in the form of a sandbox game. They may punish your immorality with police pressure, such as your Saints Row, GTA, or Just Cause games. Imagine you're a good person who runs over every single denizen at the beach, gunning down innocents for a giggle. One call to the guy in the chair, and you're off the hook. One quick semi-death, and you're at the hospital with not a care in the world. Games that suggest you're being punished aren't actually built on morality. It would be just as impactful to remove the police interactions altogether. Hashtag defund the police, am I right? Even worse than this is the absolute falsification of choice. Games that lead you to believe that there's a choice, but slowly it becomes apparent that they advertised a gimmick that they didn't fully develop. The worst defenders of this are the later, more recent Telltale games. I will be 100% transparent with my opinion, but I do hold it to be fact. Reuben the Peg should have lived. Clem's choices don't change her journey. I can't even tell you what I did in The Walking Dead Michonne. And the bold claim that your choices have an impact on your story, such as they say at the start of each game, is such a blatant misuse of audience trust that has been built up over the years with actual impactful choice scenarios in the earlier games. There is no reward for your choice since the choice is predestined. There is no chance to even reevaluate because reevaluation changes nothing. I now arrive at the most destructive examples of moral choice misuse. This style of gameplay has, as previously mentioned, turned me off of game of the year quality games. I speak of stealth-based morality, found predominantly in the Dishonored franchise. The game locks out its good ending and reserves it for only those who go the entire game without killing. Is it interesting that you can go through the game without killing? Sure. Is it possible to do so? Well, evidently. But a game based on a vengeful assassin cannot tell me that it is meant to be played without using some of its best features to reserve the ending I think my hero deserves for a style of play and experience that is extremely limiting. There is no chance to kill once in a tight situation and just make up for it later. There is no way of playing a violent run and to come away feeling heroic because of the ending. One mistake and hours of gameplay won't produce half of the possible outcomes. This is ludicrous. This chokehold of a moral choice invents an unspoken difficulty setting. To my mind, good shouldn't be a difficulty. I had the choice to write a concluding paragraph to this essay. To make my point clear, in a far more than necessary method, I presume that one of you listeners has been a very bad boy. So now you don't get an ending paragraph. That's it. <laughs>